Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, and whether you call Collective your church home or you are just checking us out, we hope you are encouraged and inspired to take the next step in your journey toward the grace and truth of Jesus. For more information about Collective, you can visit us online at mycollective.church or follow us on social media at mycollectivechurch. Now, let's get into today's message. Can I just tell you how much I love that bumper video? The first time I watched it in our office, I got goosebumps because it reminded me of how lucky I am to be a part of this community. And we know that Frederick isn't perfect. It certainly has its flaws, one of which is that it doesn't have a Mission Barbecue yet. If you're a fan of Mission Barbecue, you know, why do I have to drive to Hagerstown to eat Mission Barbecue? But I love this city, and I hope you do too. And I hope the last few weeks have helped you love Frederick and see this city the way that God sees it as a place of restoration, a place of redemption, a place of resilience, and as a place where we know that the best is yet to come. Over the past few weeks, we've been encouraged and challenged to take our next steps as a church as we look toward moving into our own least space by the end of 2020. And in this series, over the last four weeks, we've seen God do incredible things. We had our two highest attended Sundays ever. And this is unheard of when it comes to capital campaigns for churches. In fact, beforehand, I reached out to a lot of my friends to say, like, hey, what should we expect? And every single one of, us, one of them told us that we should expect a 10 to 20% decline, but we didn't. We celebrated multiple people putting their faith in Jesus and getting baptized. And last weekend was Commitment Weekend, and it was incredible. It was a defining moment for our church that we will talk about for years to come. Next Sunday we will be announcing what people have financially committed to the Frederick That God Sees campaign and what that means for collective. I promise you that you will not want to miss out on that announcement. Quick plug about that. If you weren't here last week or you walked away on Sunday wanting to participate but weren't quite ready yet, there will be commitment cards at the Get Connected tables after service. You can fill one out, put it in the brown envelope, hand it to the team member that's there. But we want you to know that it isn't too late to join in what God is doing at this church. And every commitment matters, every dollar matters, every step of faith matters. So if you haven't joined in yet, I just want to encourage you to be bold and take a risk because God is moving in this city and we want you to be a part of that. Today, we're wrapping up this series with a special Sunday. We're hosting our second ever child dedication. And a child dedication is a special celebration where parents commit to raising their children to know and love Jesus. And so we, as their church and as their community, commit to creating the type of church where that's possible. And here's why we're doing this today. Because this whole campaign is about people who are far from God learning that there's a God who loves them unconditionally. And the whole point of this campaign is to let people know that there's a church called Collective that will do everything it takes to share that truth with them. To share that grace is life-changing, that endless second chances are possible, That it doesn't matter how messed up you are, how far from God you are, how broken you are, Collective was started for you because Jesus came for you. And when I think about what we're trying to do at Collective, and when I see and hear the stories of life change, when I see and hear the stories about people who have hit rock bottom finding hope in Jesus, when I see and hear stories about people who are in a place where they don't know what else to do or where else to go, so they're showing up here wondering, can Jesus do something in my life? Sometimes I can't help but wonder, what would life be like if some of us grew up in a church like Collective? How different would our lives be? How much more confidence in God would we have? How much more grace would we offer to a broken world? What would our life be like if we grew up 
at Collective. You see, this campaign isn't just about us finding space for us. Right? It's not for me. It's not for you. Such a big piece of this campaign is finding space so that the kids and students who are part of this church have a church home that they love, a church where they belong, a church where they can bring their friends, a church where they can take next steps in their faith and not worry about failing because they have a community that will pick them back up when they fall. In John 10.10, Jesus says that he came so that everyone would have life and have it to the fullest. The problem is that churches don't often think about kids when they discuss everyone. Right? Some churches view children's ministry as childcare. Some churches create separate Sunday morning worship spaces for their middle schoolers and high schoolers because they think of church as a break from teenagers. But that isn't how we do it at Collective. In Collective Kids, we set up intentionally designed environments for birth through fifth graders to learn about faith in Jesus. We actually model what they do after Collective. They worship. They spend time in small groups where they discuss a specific Bible lesson that's specially designed for them for pre-through-K and K-through-fifth graders. As they get older, fifth graders are actually allowed to start serving in that environment. And the reason why we do that is because we're trying to teach the kids that go to the church how to participate, how to be involved in church, how to take next steps. To be honest, this is why every few months I'll stay from this stage that this gym, this environment that you are in right now is not the best place for your children. I don't think about your elementary school student when I write these sermons. Our band doesn't think about your preschooler when we choose songs. This isn't the best place for your children to be, for their faith or for their community. What we do every single week is we set up four specially designed rooms for your kids to worship, to learn, to be with friends, and have fun. And the reason why we do this is because kids at Collective are not an afterthought. They matter. So we invest our time and our resources in them. For our students, this is why we don't have separate worship services for middle schoolers and high schoolers. We want them to be in these seats, worshiping, learning, and serving next to adults. Tom Rainer wrote a book called Essential Church. And one thing that he found is that students are 60% more likely to stick with church and faith when they move out of their parents' house if they are part of a church where they could rub shoulders with adults who are living out their faith in Jesus. Right? We know that for teenagers, church isn't about programs. It needs to be about relationships. And listen, I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, this is great. I certainly want students in Frederick to have a church like Collective. But you'll say, I'm not a kid person. And I feel you on that one. Uh, pretty much anyone under 18 makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, in fact, Ray and I weren't sure if we'd ever have kids because we didn't think we'd be good parents. And this isn't because of like diapers and spit up. This is because kids say a bunch of weird crap and I'm not sure how to talk to them. Like they just shout random things. Like how do you respond when they do that? Like my four-year-old does it all the time and I just like pat her on the head, right? I'm not good with kids. And if you don't believe me, in college, I had to do a summer internship. So I chose to go up to Ohio to work for three months in a church plant. And for some reason that I don't remember at all, I told the lead pastor that I would help with their children's ministry every other Sunday. They put me in the pre-K room. I lasted one Sunday because every single kid in there was sticky and loud. But it isn't just little kids. A few summers ago, a friend of mine asked me to be a dean at a week of camp for middle schoolers, and I certainly will never do that again. Because one night, one of the students that was there ate a rock. Why? I don't know. He just did it. And then the next day, he told me, and he started to panic because he never considered how the rock was going to get out of him. Now, I know what some of you guys are thinking. Some of you heard a rumor that my four-year-old swallowed a nickel two weeks ago. 
That is not a rumor, that is true. And yes, I recognize that I'm the common denominator in a middle schooler eating a rock and my child eating a nickel. That's why I don't do kids. But here's one thing I do know, that these kids and these students are the future of the church and we can never lose sight of that. During the sermon series, I visited each of our eight collectives and DJ mentioned earlier, collectives are our small groups that meet throughout the week. They talk about what we talk about on Sunday. And I did this so as we went into this campaign, anyone could ask any question they wanted about why we were raising money, where we're going, what we are trying to do. And so I visited every single one of them, including the Youth Collective. And to be honest, I fully expected to sit down and them not have any questions and then me just be able to get up and leave. But that's not actually what happened. The students that go to Youth Collective asked very thoughtful questions. There were some weird ones as well, and I tried my best to answer them. But they asked the same questions that many of you did. They asked, where are we looking for space? What do we do if we exceed our goal? How does this impact the teams who serve on Sunday mornings? And then Ben Cronkite asked me a question. Ben is in ninth grade, and he and his family have been a part of Collective since before we launched. And he asked me what my biggest fear was when it came to moving into a new space. He's a ninth grader. And of course, I originally told him that my biggest fear was losing the keys and like everyone showing up for church on Sunday and us not being able to do it. But I told him like, that my biggest fear was that God blesses this church and we don't use it to its fullest potential. But here's what that taught me that night. The children and students in this church care. They care about Jesus. They care about the church. They care about this church. And they care about this campaign. There's a recent study put out about Generation Z and the church. And Generation Z is anyone born between 1995 and 2015. Currently, that generation makes up 32% of the population. But this generation has been labeled as the first truly post-Christian generation. And here are a few things that this study found. More than any other generation before them, Generation Z does not assert a religious identity the percentage of Gen Z that identifies as atheist is double that of the U.S. adult population that also identifies as atheist. Currently, only 59% of Generation Z would say there's some kind of Christian that they believe in the idea of God, compared to 75% of baby boomers. And to be honest, most of you could have guessed that. Like most of you would have surmised that if you've been going to church for a while, you've heard churches in decline, you know, the next generation, Generation Z is not going. At first it was millennials, millennials aren't going, now it's Gen Z, Gen Z is not going. But here's what the researchers also found that truly, I believe, changes everything. Among Generation Z churchgoers, perceptions of church actually tend to be more positive than negative. 82% of teens say that church is a place to find answers to live a meaningful life. 82% of teens say that church is relevant to my life. 77% of teens say that I can be myself in church. So it's the least church generation ever but the majority of them actually have positive viewpoints about the church and what it can do in their lives. And so here's what that says to us. It isn't that they don't want to be in church, that they don't want to pursue faith, that they aren't open to learning about God. It means that there aren't enough churches that are for them, like truly for them. That there aren't enough churches that actually create space for Generation Z to attend and to grow and to thrive. That there aren't enough churches that truly value that group of people. It also means that we know that if we could get them in the doors of a church, that their lives could be changed forever. And that is one of the most powerful reasons behind this campaign. 
so that we can make sure that our birth through 18-year-olds know that Jesus is for them and loves them so that they can grow up being involved in a church where that as soon as they graduate, they don't walk away from their faith, where they can grow up being involved in a church where they have other adults, not just their parents, other adults who love them, who care for them, who lead them. Jesus teaches about all of this in Matthew 18. Here's some context. In biblical times, children under the age of 13 had little to no value. Uh, In fact, 13 was kind of this age of accountability, this age when you became an adult, which mostly meant you could start working on the farm, right? Like you start working for your parents. But anybody under 13 didn't have much value. But we see time and time again in the the Bible, we see time and time again when stories of Jesus, that when children were around him, he taught them. He brought them in to the conversation. He created space for them to listen and learn. This is what happens in Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him and put the child among them. Then he said, I tell you the truth, unless you turn from your sins and become like little children, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus immediately starts by talking about the innocence of a child, right? The faithfulness of a child, truly the purity of a child. But then he continues. So anyone who becomes as humble as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. But if you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So Jesus teaches his disciples and everyone listening that the innocence and the humility and the faith of a child is actually an example for the adult. And then he does what Jesus often does, and he gives a warning He says that any person that gets in the way of kids being able to experience the grace and truth of Jesus are better off dead. And those are very strong words coming from a time when kids had no societal value. Jesus teaches people who follow him, get out of the way of children and let them grow their faith. Let them have the opportunity to know who I am. So there are two applications for today as Bethany, our collective kids director, and the parents come on stage for the child dedication. The first one is this, join the team. Join the team so that you can create space for Generation Z to thrive in our church. Join Collective Kids, help with Youth Collective. The truth is we're talking about a few hours a week that could lead to a lifetime of impact and truly the future of this church. The second is choose generosity. So many of you have already done that by committing to the Frederick that God sees, and so we just want to say thank you. But for those of you who are on the fence, these families up here and the kids that are in the seats around you, these are the reason why this matters. Because our hope is that Generation Z and the generations that come after them have a church that they can thrive in, that they can grow in, that they can experience grace and truth in. So I'm going to finish with this. As I drove home after Youth Collective two weeks ago, I had the overwhelming feeling that we're good. The future of the church is good. And that our church is in good hands because of the teenagers that are growing up here, that are learning here, that are growing here, that are serving here. That our church is in good hands because of the space that you all are creating so children like these can grow up in a safe place to experience God in faith. And we know that the future of Collective and this community are in good hands because you as individuals invest in these children and their faith. And so we're going to celebrate these families and we're going to make commitments together 
of making time and space to invest in the future of this church and the church in general. Let's give it up for Bethany. Good morning. My name is Bethany, and I'm the staff director of Collective Kids. I knew eventually the day would come that I would be invited to stand on this stage, and if I'm being completely honest, I was not exactly eager for the opportunity. <laughs> for those of you that know me, you know that I'm much more comfortable behind the scenes, much more comfortable with casual small group conversation, and much more comfortable remaining outside of the literal spotlight in this case. I love this church, and I love the role that I get to fill as the leader of Collective Kids, but I'm a very real introvert, and having all this attention on me would usually make me quit life for the day. But today is different. It's special, and I'm not alone up here. Again, if I'm being completely honest, it's actually an honor to stand up here. Today I'm joined on stage by six of the families who've decided to participate in this year's child dedication. This is still not my most comfortable environment, and I'll do well to know that I will have plenty of time from now until the next time that you'll see me up here, but today, I'm excited. I'm excited to introduce these families to you and celebrate them today. I'm excited to represent collective kids and the role that we get to play in their lives. But mostly, I'm excited to recognize these parents for the commitment that they're choosing to make as they stand before you. Today, these parents are making a commitment to intentionally create space for their kids to get to know and experience Jesus. They're making a commitment to engage in conversations with their kids about faith and truth and inviting questions as they come. They're making a commitment to model their own relationship with Jesus in such a way that encourages their kids to take steps of faith as they, on their own. It's a big deal, and I'm excited to recognize them and celebrate with them today. From one Sunday to the next, families come to Collective and entrust Collective kids with caring for their children and inviting them to get to know Jesus. Our mission in Collective Kids states that we exist to eliminate any and all obstacles pertaining to the care and instruction of all kids so that they and their parents have the best opportunity to bump into Jesus, doing, allowing him to do what only he can do. That mission matters to us. It's a part of who we are as a church and who we are as a team. And so as kids arrive, we welcome them, we share truth from the Bible with them, we demonstrate wisdom, faith, and friendship as core values, and all along the way, we point to Jesus. We create space for them to grow in their faith, which in turn creates distraction-free space for you to grow in yours. As a team, Collective Kids values every moment that we have with the kids in our care, as well as the positive impact that we'll have on them on the Sundays that they join us. But it's not enough. On average, the church gets about 40 hours per year with a child, while parents get about 3,000 with the same child within the same year. In fact, there is a 300% better chance that kids will stay in the church and take steps in their faith if they have faith conversations in the home. So it makes sense that in Proverbs 22.6, we're instructed as parents, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. But what does that look like? The best way I can illustrate it is with a marble jar. In Collective Kids, the curriculum that we use on a weekly basis to teach biblical truths to our kids is called Orange. Part of Orange's mission is to equip parents for every phase of their child's life, which is represented by a marble jar. You fill up the jar with 936 marbles, one for every week of your child's life until they turn 18. They call it the legacy marbles. With every week that passes, you remove a marble. Their hope as an organization is to encourage parents to use the time that they have with their kids because it's fleeting. 
And as they watch the marbles disappear, they're reminded that they have limited time left to make those moments count. Now, another marble jar has turned up recently in my life as I read through a book about vulnerable leadership called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. In her book, Brene uses her marble jar object lesson to teach her daughter about trust. Through simple encounters with the people in our lives, we're given the opportunity to see whether or not that they are people we can trust. With each of these moments, we either add a marble or we remove one. So I got to thinking, what if this idea of parents committing to leading their children on the right path, as Proverbs instructs, also took the form of a marble jar, but a faith marble jar? When we read, direct your children on the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it, now we can actually visualize that every marble we remove from our jar, we actually pass on to our child, who in turn will choose whether or not to add it to their own. When we start out as parents, we're holding all the marbles. Our faith is their faith, but it isn't going to be like this forever. With every week that passes and every milestone that's marked, we have to create the space that they need to receive those marbles that we're handing them so that they can decide how to develop their faith on their own. Now, as a parent myself, this all sounds very intimidating. Parenting is already packed full of day-to-day -day realities that take time and that take attention to detail, that make you laugh, cry, or cringe, and sometimes it's all of those things at all the same time. Parenting is pulling back the covers and inviting your little one into bed so that you can just get a few more minutes of sleep. It's teaching your kids words and manners, how to be a good friend, and how to convey that it's important to eat more than just cheese. Parenting is answering questions, explaining situations, and providing reminders for the sake of healthy growth and development. It's engaging them in the lives of others and giving them opportunities to care for them. Parenting is teaching them that what they feel is okay and how best to communicate those feelings to others. It's getting their coat on to get to the car, back off again to get them in their car seat, back on again to get them out of the car, and then back off again once you're inside. It's ordering a meal that they love only to find out that they want what's on your plate. And if you're anything like me, you don't like sharing food. Parenting is being strong enough to protect them from hurt, but even stronger when it's time to let them go and let them possibly experience that hurt that you've been shielding them from. Parenting makes you feel like a superhero, but sometimes it can crush you. All of this and more is true, but the fact remains that these kids having only 40 hours a year at church with someone investing in their spiritual growth is not enough. And so parents need to do even more, but they don't have to do it on their own. We create a partnership, a support system, and a community between collective, with the help of collective kids, and the parents of the kids that we've been trusted to care for. And that's what this child dedication is all about, and the commitments that these parents are choosing to make. It's a partnership. Today, we have 12 families dedicating their children between our two services. In preparation for today's event, not only did I meet with the parents for child dedication orientation, but I asked them to think about the type of person that they hope their child or children would grow up to be. You'll see the words that they came up with as I introduce each family, but here are just some of the responses I received. Kind, gracious, confident, courageous, persistent, wholehearted, generous, principled, humble, adventurous, bold in faith, and empathetic. These parents want so much for their kids, and today they're taking that want for more and they're turning it into a commitment to do more. Now, before giving them the opportunity to share their commitment with you, I'd like to first introduce our parents and the children that they'll be dedicating today. 
Jess Atwell, dedicating Evelyn and Dean Atwell. Pete and Jess Getty, dedicating Harrison Getty. Isaiah Hawker and Megan Sharp, dedicating Elijah Hawker. Andrew and Danielle Holloway, dedicating Ginny and James Holloway. Caleb and Anna Jernigan, dedicating Luke Jernigan. And CC and Rachel Thompson, dedicating Rory Thompson. As I mentioned before, today's child dedication is all about a partnership between these families and Collective. So parents, Collective is committed to loving your kids and showing them that Jesus is for them and that the church is a safe place to experience grace and truth throughout every age and stage of life. We're committed to helping you engage in those essential midweek faith conversations once you leave church on Sundays. We're committed to providing you with support as you face tricky discussions and difficult phases of life. And we're committed to surrounding you with the support of others, people who are in it with you, who are also praying that the truth we offer our own kids will stick with them as they too grow to a point of making decisions for themselves. And now, parents, you're here today because you wanna be a part of this commitment as well. So now I wanna invite you to respond to the following questions. Do you commit to raising your child in such a way that creates space for them to get to know Jesus? Do you commit to sharing with them the truth of the Bible? Do you commit to engaging in faith conversations at home and on a regular basis? Do you commit to encouraging your child's spiritual development and next steps in their faith as they come? If so, respond, we do. Congratulations on your commitments. We're very proud of you. Just join me in an in a applause for those families. We are so excited to partner with each of these families in their commitment to raising their children, to know Jesus, and to have a relationship with him. Before we finish up, I'd like to pray for these families, the decisions that they made today and the work that they have ahead of them as they choose to partner with Collective. Let's pray. God, this is a great day, and we're honored to be a part of the commitment that these parents are making to raise their kids in truth. We're honored to have the opportunity to come into this partnership with our own commitment to teach, care for, and encourage these kids as their faith develops. But more so, we're excited to see how you're going to work through the decisions that are being made today. God, we know parenting isn't always easy, so we ask for wisdom for these parents as they look for guidance and direction in day-to-day -day life that their decisions could honor and point to you. We ask for strength for these parents as they work hard at their commitments in hopes that their kids may grow to know you more. And finally, God, we ask that you work in the lives and hearts of these kids so that they can see you and come to, know a come to a decision of their own one day to choose to follow you. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.